AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Rolling into hour number two on this Thursday, January 18th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you'd like to chime in, we'll take your phone calls today around 1215-602-260-1060 is the number. Before we continue on with our NFL conversation, dissecting the NFL divisional teams, teams that are remaining in the postseason and looking at those quote-unquote premier positions that at least command the most money uh, around the league in quarterback, left tackle, pass rushing units, as well as wide receiver units. We made it through uh, the Saturday games and we'll get into the Sunday games here momentarily. Let's first reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Uh, Who do you have Saturday at Baltimore? Texans plus nine and a half or Ravens minus nine and a half? And a half the Texans remain in front at 58% of the vote Ravens trailing at 42% a question that we officially answer today around 1230 so still some time for you to cast your vote over on X at KDUS AM 1060 should the Patriots at least have interviewed Mike Vrabel before promoting Gerard Mayo Gerard Mayo being officially introduced as the Patriots head coach yesterday the masses remain undecided in a 50-50 split so we'll officially answer that question too around 12:30 I just want to put a bow on the 49ers so we were talking about in hour number one the Packers and the 49ers game and we were a little bit rushed with the wide receiver unit between Brandon Ayuk and his uh really his coming out party last year and it's carried over into this year Debo Samuel we know what he can do here overall um you know the the they're, they're benefiting from the fact that Brock Purdy is on uh, the rookie contract that he is. We talked about Trent Williams and how good he is, but entering his 14th season, it kind of feels like this is one of the best shots for the 49ers to get that Super Bowl. Well, I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the season started, in large part because it seems like this is kind of like the last rodeo uh, for this group, at least together. They've got a whole bunch of key players that are up for contracts after this year. And uh, some of the guys you mentioned are included in that group. Uh, So that's kind of a, and they're really good, obviously. And, you know, they play to the high level. And there's, even when they had the three game losing streak, and that's, you know, you mentioned Trent Williams. uh, When he was injured, that's the game that he started the game against the Browns, ended up losing that game, didn't play the next two games. They lost those games. When they've been intact for the most part this year, with the exception of that Baltimore Monday night disaster, they won every game when they've been intact. Uh, so I assume they're going to be intact in the postseason. And, uh, you know, but this is kind of, I, I think that this is going to be like the last rodeo. But I said this about the Saints for like 10 years, right? <laughs> <laughs> How could they possibly maneuver the salary cap? And they did a tremendous job of restructuring and letting a few guys go here and there. 
Uh, and they actually were, and while they did, were went to the Super Bowl with that group, as it turned out in the end. But, you know, that whole group, they're talking about the end of the Drew Brees area, not at the start, but at the end of that group, <clears throat> excuse me, in that era, you know, that group uh, you know, kept going to the playoffs and, you know, kept falling short for whatever reason, whether it's the uh, Minnesota game or some of the uh, miracle losses that they had. They got screwed by the referees in the Rams game, etc. Yeah, but they always figured it out. So who knows? Maybe the Niners can figure it out. On to Sunday, 1 p.m. NBC. It's the Bucks and the Lions. We'll start things off with the Buccaneers here, quarterback position. Maybe a lot thought that this was going to be a rebuilding year. In fact, some people thought, oh, you know, Todd Bowles, he's just coaching out the remainder of his contract. They'll be moving on in a new direction in 2024. In comes Baker Mayfield. Uh, he was kind of that quarterback that was bouncing around there after uh, the Browns days, and he was competing with Kyle Trask for the starting position and here he comes his best statistical season 64.3 percent completion percentage 4044 yards 28 touchdowns 10 picks 40 sacks though uh but you know he's been pretty solid uh especially too with dave canales calling the plays he's been tremendous the last you know three or four weeks here when he's been healthy and he's even played while injured and been pretty good uh so uh he's been really good he's been on you know, he was like with four organizations in like one calendar year. If you go back to Cleveland and Carolina and the Rams at the end of last year. And I heard Mayfield talk recently about how he kind of uh, the time with uh, Sean McVay in Los Angeles last year, last year at the end of the year, kind of uh, he thought kind of you know, jump started, uh, restarted his career or gave him a kind of a new sense for hope or things like that. And uh, he's been very good. And I think you mentioned Bowles and Mayfield. This team plays really hard. And you, know, you can say that about pretty much every team at this point. But clearly, I think that the uh, you know, they love Bowles. We've seen some of the locker room post-game stuff with them. And some of those things, I think, are you know, kind of phony and so forth. But it doesn't seem like it's phony at all regarding Bowles. And the, certainly, they be a heap, Mayfield plays at such a high level of intensity, I think that that's actually rubbed up on his teammates. Left tackle position is Tristan Wirfs. Uh, you know, he was the 2020 13th overall pick round number one to the Buccaneers here against the Eagles 43 pass blocking snaps zero pressure zero sacks allowed for the season it's been an 81.1 pro football focus grade for him tied for 36 with just six penalties tied for 23rd with five sacks allowed it is the last year of his contract here coming up in 2024 They've got to keep him, obviously, uh, moving forward. And uh, he's been uh, – there was a lot of concern when he was you – know, he was the best right tackle in football for a few years there. And I know there was some concern when they moved him to left tackle, but uh, there's been no drop-off whatsoever, and he's been one of the best left tackles in the league. Pass rushers here. Uh, Yaya Diaby, seven and a half sacks. As a unit, it's been 48 sacks, and we know that Todd Bowles loves to bring the pressure. Correct. Uh, you know, never a day, unless it was a one time here when he was with the Cardinals as a defensive coordinator when he decided not to blitz against the Rams. But other than that, I can't think of a Todd Bowles game where there was not uh, heavy blitzing, and uh, you know, the, the scheme is uh, – 
really uh, worked quite well for them. And uh, needless to say, it seemed like the Eagles did not get the memo that Todd Bowles is going to blitz, <laughs> uh, so, which he does every down. Uh, not quite every down, but he does with high frequency, higher frequency than most defensive coordinators. Wide receiver position, Mike Evans, he's been a staple of consistency for the Buccaneers. This season, 79 catches, 1,255 yards, 13 touchdowns. Chris Godwin, 83 catches, 1,024 yards, and two touchdowns. And you talked about it yesterday, I believe, uh, that the wide receivers that got involved in that Eagles game were uh, players that you knew from college but you know, aren't the big names, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That's true. And you know, Evans dropped a touchdown pass in that game or it would have been worse. Uh, and because of that, I'm in a fantasy uh, you know, football postseason contest and I'm paying for lunch tomorrow because he dropped that pass. Not that I'm bitter or anything, uh, but I guess I'm pretty upset about it still because that was several days ago, Monday night, and I'm still going, yeah, he dropped that damn pass. Uh, but he's been obviously, as you mentioned, a model of consistency. And, uh, yeah, I would expect him to have a nice bounce-back game this week against the Lions secondary, which has been bad against wide receivers. So, overall, looking at this Bucks team, maybe the perceptions heading into the 2023 season will be a little bit different heading into the 2024 season. I'd have to think they'd be interested in keeping Baker Mayfield around, uh, making sure that the left tackle position with Tristan Wirfs is all locked up. And then, uh, you know, the question marks about what Mike Evans is going to do uh, for his future. Uh, but there are some question marks, but maybe moving in a different direction for this Buccaneers team. Maybe, I don't know about that. I mean, I think a lot of people don't know or forgot. They've now won three consecutive division titles. I know the first two were with Brady. And this year the division wasn't great, but uh, they're playing – uh, I could make a good case right now that right now uh, Baker Mayfield is playing better right now than Brady did at the end of last season because Brady wasn't very good at the end of last season in Tampa. Plus, this team still has seven defensive starters back from the team that won the Super Bowl. Seven of them. The opponent, the Lions here, quarterback Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff was really good last week, 22 of 27, 277 yards, one touchdown, three sacks. We know about his home versus road splits, so just his home numbers here. 70.1% completion percentage, 2,240 yards, 19 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, and 12 sacks. He has playoff experience, uh, and, you know, he went to a Super Bowl with the Rams. That's true. I'll add a little more uh, ammo here. Since he's been with the Lions, in home games, he has 56 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Now, he's had, he's had lots of multiple fumbles lost, and that's been going on throughout his career, even going back to Cal. Uh, but uh, you know, even at home, he's lost some fumbles, but he's done a really amazing job. And you know, other than the fact that you know, I lost some money line wagers uh, on that game last week, at least I had them plus the points. But I would think that a, uh, just a you know, impartial NFL fan – had to be happy that things have worked out well for him in the locker room presentation of the game ball by Dan Campbell to Goff. And that was, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not a really terribly emotional guy as far as tear jerking things, but yeah, that was something that I thought was pretty cool and uh, uh, emotional.
not personally to me, but I'm sure it was to them. <laughs> you know, obviously he's definitely embraced the city of Detroit. Detroit has embraced him. Yeah. And uh, it's been a – we've talked about it before, how this trade has seemingly worked out for both teams, both quarterbacks that were involved, et cetera. You know, now it's next level for Jared Goff. Uh, can he – he has the yeah. experience of being on a team that went to a Super Bowl, but can he, you know, play mistake-free football and continue playing well to get the Lions down the road? Well, and, and I actually, I think those are questions that we'll find out this week and if they win again this week on the road beyond this week. Uh, but clearly, I think he needed to win that game last week to like clear the uh, final hurdle of, in Detroit from the fan base there by beating Matthew Stafford. Left tackle Taylor Decker, 77.3 pro football focus rating, tied for 26 with seven penalties, tied for eighth with eight sacks allowed. He's under contract for 2024. And also, you know, a lot of the left tackers, tackles we talked about with the addition of, with, with the exception, I guess, of Trent Williams, probably not as much known for run blocking, but Decker is a tremendous run blocker, even going back to his days at Ohio State. Uh, when he was the left tackle there when the national championship team in 2014 when Zeke was running the ball and so forth. I need to mention those things because I can talk about Ohio State in the good light football-wise, which I don't get to do very often these days. Uh, so there you go. I had to get that in. But Decker is a, he's a you know, really good left tackle who is just not a pass protector. Pass rushers, this is kind of interesting for the Lions, okay? So Aiden Hutchinson, he made his playoff debut last week in 23 pass rushing snaps. He had nine pressures, two sacks. That's a 39.1% pressure percentage. That's pretty darn good. Since week 10, quarterback pressures, Aiden Hutchinson has 68. Then you go to Aleem Mitchell with 19, Josh Paschal at 17, and Alex Azzalone at 16. As a unit, it's 41 sacks, so it's kind of Aiden Hutchinson being able to get the pressure, and then it's everybody else. Well, and Mitchell missed a bunch of time. He's their second-best pass rusher. He just came back a couple of weeks ago. So I think that those numbers would be a lot better and you know, be more uh, equal, uh, as so to speak. The other thing is that Hutchinson had a large stretch of time this year where he was, like, missing in action. Uh, he was out there, but he wasn't doing much. Uh, and uh, he obviously had a nice stretch to end the season here. But uh, I, I would assume that uh, he would even say that he needs to be more of a consistent pass rusher from game to game uh, than he's been this year. But I do think drafting Aiden Hutchinson, uh, he's, he's well on his way to working out here in Detroit. Oh, absolutely. Plus, he's the local hero. He's a local kid, uh, grew up in the Detroit area, went to the University of Michigan, was on the first University of Michigan team, is sadly, uh, that is uh, the first one that's uh, the first of three straight years when they beat Ohio State finally. <laughs> Wide receiver room, Amon Ross St. Brown, 119 catches, 1,515 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's really good. Josh Reynolds, 40 catches, 608 yards, five touchdowns. Khalif Raymond, 35 catches, 489 yards, one touchdown. And I didn't include in here Sam Laporta from the tight end position uh, but he was number two in catches for the Lions this season and he's been dynamic well I'll throw in Jamison Williams too who doesn't have the stats because he missed some time and he dropped passes on a high level uh, a frequent basis early in the season but he's also been much better here down the stretch and uh, 
he's really their big play guy. I mean, he's their, you know, stretch the field. You know, the big, I'm guessing that the biggest plays that they've had this year as far as yards, uh, you know, decent percentage of them, decent percentage have involved him. Uh, you know, but you know, Ross and Brown, Ross and Brown, I always have a tough time saying that, uh, is, uh, He's amongst the best, and I mean elite, top three or four wide receivers in the league. Let's move into Sunday, uh, 4.30 p.m. CBS game. It's the Chiefs and the Bills. We'll start with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, does he need an introduction? I understand statistically this year it's been a down year for him, which is 27 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. We've chronicled the dropped passes with the wide receivers, et cetera, 67.2% completion percentage 4,183 yards he has 75 carries for 389 yards he seems to uh, only move when he really needs to and he's been very effective at picking up first downs ironically though no touchdowns on the ground for him in the regular season well I think they did a a really good job at just trying to kind of reduce his chances of taking hits in the in the uh, in the regular season also, you, know, you mentioned his uh, knack for running. That's been a real knack in the postseason uh, throughout this whole run. Almost every year, you can uh, you know, recall one of their during one of their big games in the postseason that he's made a huge run to help them win a game. I remember that you know, comeback against the Texans that one year. They had a massive run in that game that helped turn the game around when they were down, what was it, 24-0 at halftime or whatever it was, and they ended up winning that game. Uh, same thing happened last week uh, in the game against Miami. I think the biggest play he actually made last week was when he ran for, what, 30 yards on that scramble. And that was at a time where it looked like that was really the only time in the entire game where you thought Miami might be able to get back into this. As far as this year, no doubt there's been drop passes. No doubt the offensive line, including the interior three guys who were studs, they haven't been as much of a stud, uh, stud group this year. The tackles haven't been good. However, all that being considered, I think it's very safe to say that Mahomes accuracy-wise has not been as on target as usual, and it's not all because of the pass rush. He's just not been quite as good. I would assume he's going to have to be better than he's been this year and more like he's been in past years this Sunday. Well, let's talk about the tackles. Left tackle Donovan Smith, they brought him in uh, this offseason. It's been a 55.4 pro football focus grade, tied for 11th with nine penalties, tied for 67th with two sacks allowed. Uh, but it's been a lot of pen, like false starts and things of that nature and just kind of inconsistency. And he's missed four or five games too. And uh, he's still got those high numbers. Um, obviously much better in the right tackle situation, which has been a complete disaster. Uh, but, uh, you know, they need to figure this out. And uh, they have certainly did not upgrade from uh, left tackle uh, from a year ago. Pass rush, Chris Jones. So we know about the holdout. Then they got the deal done. He returned. Since week 13, it's 38 quarterback pressures for him, which is tied for first in the NFL, 12 quarterback hits, which is first, three and a half sacks. He also had half a sack in that Dolphins game. On the season, Chris Jones had 10 and a half sacks. George Karloftis also had 10 and a half sacks. As a unit, 57 sacks, which was second in the NFL. Well, once again, you mentioned Karloftis. He's had a really good second season, much better in his first season a year ago in the NFL and uh, this is much like Tampa. Uh, Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator, is a blitz monster. 
And uh, I think it's even it's a much different way of blitzing than what Todd Bowles does because you know, Spagnolo he brings you know, corners, safeties, anybody that might be blitzing at some point. If I were an opposing quarterback or an opposing offense, I would be wondering all the time, where are these guys coming from now? As opposed to the Tampa thing, which is kind of linebackers, and that's pretty much all linebackers. Rarely does Tampa send any defensive backs in the blitz. The Chiefs, uh, you have no idea where they're coming from. The wide receiver unit for the Chiefs here, uh, Travis Kelsey, tight end, he led in receptions even with the season that he had. Rasheed Rice, 79 catches, 938 yards, seven touchdowns, kind of emerged as the uh, go-to wide receiver. Justin Watson with 27 catches, 460 yards, three touchdowns. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, 21 catches, 315 yards, one touchdown. I think it's safe to say that this is the position group that will need an upgrade in the offense season well that and both tackled positions uh, you know, as far as offense goes uh, but no doubt I mean they've been awful and, you know Kelsey has dropped a large percentage of passes too and I'm guessing by the end of the season or after the season at some point we're going to find out that he was not 100% at any point this year remember he got hurt in the uh the, 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 they played the Thursday night game to start the season, and I believe it was the Monday practice that he got hurt and uh, didn't play in that first game. And I think there's uh, certainly led a lot of speculation that he's never been healthy at any point this year, but he's dropped a ton of passes, including last Saturday. For the Bills, quarterback Josh Allen, 66.5% completion percentage, 4,306 yards, 29 touchdowns, 18 picks, 24 sacks. It's been 111 carries for him, 524 yards, 15 touchdowns, and 57 first downs. Interesting, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, this season in the fourth quarter, he has a 90.4 grade, which is first among quarterbacks when you just isolate it to the fourth quarter. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if that includes runs, but yeah, he's had some massive runs in the fourth quarters of some of their games that they won by uh, you know, close margins or even a couple of games they lost by close margins, which weren't his fault. He's made some massive runs in that in those games too. So you know, as far as the, the fourth quarter thing, they've done a nice job. Uh, or be, they, they say that they're going to do this every year, that he's going to run less and then he doesn't. <laughs> But he actually has this year, especially after the coordinator change. Left tackle Dion Dawkins, pro football focus grade of 73.7, tied for 11th with nine penalties, tied for 79th with one sack allowed this season. Yeah, he's been really good. And uh, he's also had some injury issues here of late. Uh, he had left the game in the, the final regular season game, that Miami game. He did play last week. I'm not sure how he graded out last week, but it seemed like he was doing fine. Uh, so uh, we'll see how uh, how that goes. It was hard to, to judge the that game last week for a lot of reasons. And actually, I think when there's like a frozen field like there was in Kansas City last week, it's even more difficult to judge pass blocking and pass rushers because the footing is not great, needless to say. So I'm not sure about that. But he's been really good. And their offensive line collectively, I think, has been one of the biggest surprises in the entire league. Pass rushers here, Leonard Floyd, 10 and a half sacks. Ed Oliver, quarterback pressure, 65, nine and a half yeah. sacks for him. As a unit, 54 sacks. They've also have 15 forced fumbles as a unit. 
And I've kind of been on Oliver's case for the last few years or about him uh, being an underachiever, which I think is, was accurate. Not this year. Uh, and then just last week, uh, he dominated the Pittsburgh offensive line in run and pass situations. Uh, he was tremendous, and uh, their, uh, their defensive line is really good. I don't know if they got any linebackers left for this game, and that's something we'll get into that uh, we'll get into that a little more in depth in the uh, Friday spread tomorrow after we see the injury reports from today. Wide receiver unit here: Stefan Diggs, 107 catches, 1,183 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, really interesting year for for Stefan Diggs, and I was surprised to actually see him hit a thousand yards. Gabe Davis, 45 catches, 746 yards, seven touchdowns, and Khalil Shakir, 39 catches, 611 yards, and two touchdowns. They obviously uh, use and rely heavily on their two tight ends in Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, actually, at this point, I think Shakir is actually their most reliable receiver. I think the Diggs might have hit 1,000 yards alone in that first Miami game. So that maybe that's where he got all those yards. Uh, but I don't think there's many people in the NFL, at least the insiders, that think that Diggs is even going to be back in Buffalo next year. Uh, he's been, uh, yeah, when used, uh, not nearly as effective. He's dropped some passes this year also. And uh, needless to say, he's always bitching about something. And at some point, if you're not producing at an extremely high level, that's got to get pretty old. Yeah, so I think the wide receiver unit is going to need to improve in the offseason. Yeah, and, and Gabe, Dave, Gabe Davis was just awful for the majority of this season, and now he's hurt and probably not going to play this week. That's right. So that there's the breakdown of the divisional teams uh, that are left in the NFL playoffs in those quote-unquote premier positions with quarterback, left tackle, pass rush, and wide receivers. So uh, most of the teams that we went through, I guess the conclusion here is, well, it's no surprise that they're here. Maybe the Chiefs <laughs> are a little bit like, wow, they are here. That would be true. But uh, you know, and they, uh, they also got to play the Dolphins at home last week. If they were playing almost anybody else, Last week, I would have been betting against the Chiefs. We'll step aside from the world of football and we'll get into college hoops, ASU and U of A from last night. It is the Extra Point. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Download the KDOS 1060 app if you haven't already done so, Apple Android users. Make sure you register and get yourself eligible for the chance at sixth row tickets, downtown Phoenix, food, drink included. It's a pretty sweet prize happening now through the end of January. Uh, let's get into a little bit of hoops action from last night. It, it was one of the reasons Bob was all fired up last night past 10 o'clock. ASU men's basketball lost 68-66 to to UCLA. ASU held a 13-point lead in the first half, but four technical fouls and a flagrant in the second half, and it ended up being the first home loss of the season for the Sun Devils. If I were an ASU fan... This would be the most frustrating loss of the Bobby Hurley era. 
Um, you know, he obviously is a uh, high-energized guy in the sidelines. We talked about his constant complaining to the officials, which I never quite understand why that's an effective tool. If you think that's actually going to be an effective tool, if I were an, if I were a referee, I'd just you know tone tone out anything that he said because it's always something. And uh, he and his team lost complete composure in the second half of this game last night. You know, as you mentioned, they had the big lead. They still led 49-43, and things were going on their, you know, their way. And UCLA's not any good. Let's keep that in mind. They're bad. I mentioned yesterday that, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, since, my, since I've been alive, at least in the UCLA era when they've been a championship-level team in the early 60s and for many years after that, this is the worst UCLA team I've ever seen. And they had them, you know, up against it last night, and they just handed them the game. They had a 50 to 43 lead, and at that point, you know, Sean Phillips got two consecutive uh, technical fouls in the same possession, and he deserved them. He actually should have gotten one in the first half for the same thing, but they didn't call it. So I'm guessing the referees told him then, tone it down, or we're going to whistle you up. And then he did it again, twice. Uh, and that uh, that possession resulted in a seven-point possession after all the technical fouls were shot. And then the UCLA made a three, uh, and they took the lead, and the UCLA never relinquished the lead after that. That wasn't all. Shortly thereafter, Hurley and Mick Cronin, who's also kind of a high-strung guy who gets excited in the sidelines, they got into a verbal confrontation with each other. Uh, and that was going on. And then a few minutes after that, uh, Jemiah Neal, who's been a good player for ASU this season, he got a technical foul, and they gave up another point that they didn't have to give up. Uh, it was just a complete giveaway. ASU, if it fancies itself to be a bubble team, this is a game that's going to kill them on the bubble. This and the loss at the University of San Diego, which was just totally inexplicable, earlier this year when they lost to Steve Lavin, former ASU coach, now at USD. But these two losses are inexcusable. And if there's any bubble possibilities for ASU this year, these pretty this pretty much these two games pretty much eliminate all that unless they like run the table. And they're not good enough to run the table. But this was a disgusting loss and this should all go on the head coach who should be in charge of all this. I don't have anything else to add to that. Uh, well said. U of A men's basketball, 82 to 67 win over USC. Caleb Love, 20 points, 7 of 16 from the floor. I do have a question for you about now having an opportunity to watch some more college hoops and U of A basketball. What do you make about Caleb Love being now part of the Wildcats here, his game and how he fits in? He's been really good. I mean, he's been their best player. Uh, he was the only guy that showed up last Saturday in Pullman. Uh, he had high 20s in that game. I don't have the exact point total in front of me right now. But he's the only reason they had a chance to win that game because the rest of the team didn't show up in that game. Uh, he had 20 points last night. He's been their best player. I mean, he basically was told uh, unofficially or maybe even officially asked to leave North Carolina two years ago, uh, two, you know, now three seasons ago. Uh, he was a big part of Carolina going to the championship game in the NCAA tournament. And then last year, it was such a selfish approach by Caleb Love that uh, they didn't want him around anymore. 
Uh, he actually first uh, you know, signed with the University of Michigan, but he had some academic issues, and Michigan did not admit him academically. Shockingly, got into the U of A, no problem. Uh, but whatever, I can say that as somebody who uh, you know, went to the U of A briefly until they you know, told me leave because I had an academic problem. But anyway, um, he he's been really good, and he's been a very he's been an unselfish player. Once in a while, he takes a couple of threes. You kind of go, hmm, I'm not sure if that was the best idea, but he's been he's been their best player from start to finish this season. And that's another win for the Wildcats after they've they've been on a turbulent ride. Well, they've been bad, especially on the road. And I, I'm not buying that they're an elite team until I see them do something on the road. Now, the bad news is we may not really get much of an indication of whether they're an elite team based on my you know, premise there. Is that who are they going to beat in the, uh, the lousy, and this is the worst Pac-12 level of play i've ever seen and i mean ever i mean there's nobody in this conference is really any good quite frankly other than the u of a uh but you know who are they going to beat on the road that's going to change my mind before the ncaa tournament starts nobody poll questions they're coming up on the other side of the break it is the extra point on this thursday january 18th bob kemp kayla mortellaro here with you we dive into those poll questions next downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. KDUS AM 1060. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We were quite heavy NFL divisional round hour one. And to get things started in hour two, diving back into the world of the NFL as we answer today's poll questions. And we'll get things started with the KDUS1060.com poll question. Texans and Ravens. Bob had a conversation with Matt Musel, KHOU11 in Houston. If you missed any of that conversation, podcast it over at KDUS1060.com or with the KDUS1060 app. But for the question, who do you have Saturday at Baltimore? Texans plus nine and a half or Ravens minus nine and a half? Okay, I'll go Ravens minus nine and a half for the purpose of this question, even though there is no way, at least to my knowledge, at least at the moment, I can't imagine this is going to change. Uh, do not intend to be betting on this game. Uh, yeah, however, uh, the Ravens' uh, you know, postseason history is reason for concern, at least with Lamar Jackson, it's a reason for concern. A one and three record. He, they have averaged 13 points per game. In those four playoff games with him as the quarterback, he has three touchdowns and five interceptions. However, the Ravens, you know, certainly uh, one other quick thing they've to repeat from earlier, they've never reached even uh, the they've never gotten past this round, the divisional playoff round with Jackson as a starting quarterback. But I think that the, uh, the, the, the this is the best Ravens team with Lamar. He's better. Uh, the receiving talent is definitely improved, no question about that. And the defense, I think, has more difference makers in the front seven than we've seen at any point of the Lamar era. And I also think that the Ravens are fortunate, though, 
that they're playing a Texans team, which is a very young roster, close to playoff, uh, zero playoff experience. And, you know, now they're, now they're on the road. They did win at home last week uh, in Houston. Uh, but I would say, uh, you know, bottom line here, Baltimore 30-16 to 16 over Houston. So nine and a half points is a lot. I mean, we did see some blowouts there in the, the wild card round here. Um, I'm curious to see how the Ravens secondary is going to be able to handle CJ Stroud. In addition to that, will the Ravens front seven be able to put pressure on CJ Stroud and kind of force him into making some mistakes that we haven't seen since he played the Cardinals, really. Um, so I think that that's kind of an interesting little matchup to pay attention to. I think you're 100% right that this is the best uh, Lamar has been, and he's in, in a great opportunity to have success here. Uh, I'm sure D'Amico Ryans is going to have a little wrinkle up his sleeve for, for what he can do uh, to try to put some pressure on Lamar as well. I hate nine and a half points. It's a lot of points to be thinking that they're going to cover. I think the Ravens win this game, uh, but I, I just don't like nine and a half. So I would say Texans plus nine and a half. I understand that. The one thing I have uh, briefly considered is taking uh, the Texans in the first half. Uh, if the, the Ravens get off to another slow start and they go, oh, my God, what's this is going to happen to us again. Uh, that type of thing, then I can make a case for the Texans to hang close for a while, but I would assume uh, by the end of the game that the uh, superior team would win comfortably. Ravens minus nine and a half. This has changed now. 56% of the vote. Texans plus nine and a half at 44%. That is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Should the Patriots at least have interviewed Mike Vrabel before promoting Gerard Mayo? Gerard Mayo officially being uh, introduced to the media as the new Patriots head coach yesterday. So to me, it, it just reading into all of this and how the Patriots were able to uh, hire Gerard Mayo without going through a typical interviewing process, it sounds like Robert Kraft really identified Gerard Mayo last year, or maybe he even identified it a few years prior to that, that he wanted Gerard Mayo to be his guy. Uh, and that all kind of came to fruition last offseason when Mayo was uh, set to interview for the Panthers head coaching opening and withdrew his candidacy. So from my understanding, in order for this succession to take place in the manner that it did, there was verbiage in the contract that basically said Mayo is going to be the successor. So with all of that kind of in mind, I think it would look really bad to to, to backtrack on that, to then have other conversations with other candidates, kind of undermining what you think of Mayo and the decision that you made and the confidence that you had in leading the team. So I'm fine uh, that he's identified this. He felt confident and good about it and uh, went through his process to make this decision to move forward. So with that structure in place, yes, I'm fine with it. Okay. I'm cool with that. Maybe you know, help me out here. And I understand the process that you just mentioned there and understand the language and so forth, but was he going to be a candidate somewhere else for one of these other head coaching jobs? Um, I want to say there was interest as well uh, with the Texans or there was talk about it prior to the year 
that the va- so what that okay. that that year that who am I? I'm forgetting his name. David Culley. Uh, the year that he became the I head coach. I understand why you forget David Culley. <laughs> I want to say that Mayo was also potentially a candidate there. Uh, obviously, okay. they had identified D'Amico Ryan's is that that's who they wanted moving forward in this last hiring cycle. So uh, come uh, yeah. so maybe there just was a lot of teams that knew that Robert Kraft, this was his guy, so there wasn't really a whole lot of uh, pursuit and name-dropping for Mayo for other potential candidacies this hiring cycle. I would have never gotten David Culley, so congratulations. I, I would have had to scour the internet for that. Uh, forgot he even existed. Uh, so I assume every people in Houston probably forgot that now, too. Uh, okay, so back to the question here. I understand all of this, but I think that Robert Kraft still should have interviewed uh, Mike Rabel. And as I mentioned earlier, maybe he did when he was there to get his, he'd be in the ring of honor or whatever they call that in, uh, in New England. That would be illegal, according to the NFL's absurd you know, tampering rules, but that would have been illegal. But without a doubt, Vrabel is one of the best game day coaches in the NFL. And I would say in the last 20 years, he's one of the best game day coaches in the NFL. Nobody knows whether Mayo's going to be a good head coach on game day. Uh, I think it's difficult to you know, really believe that Mayo is ever going to be a better game day coach than Vrabel is. So basically, bottom line, to answer the question, I don't really understand why Vrabel was not at least given an interview in New England. The masses still undecided in a 50-50 split over on X at KDOS AM 1060. So uh, when you set out with your goals in mind for 50-50 splits, Bob, you've achieved for the day. Okay. Yeah, maybe we, I know we can't ask this as a poll question, but uh, ask the mass. Well, we could do this. It would, you know, maybe a poll question. Remind me this, and when we're you know, hurting for poll questions when we get to, like, you know, the middle of June or something. Who is David Culley? Do, do you know who David Culley is? And just get a yes or no response there. I'm guessing it would be pretty close to 100% no. I'm glad that my recall kicked in in that moment. That's tremendous. I mean, that's very impressive. Uh, if only I could have it translate to other things. Well, you, you shouldn't be kicking yourself. It translates to damn near everything. Uh, but much to my disgusted points. <laughs> we'll wrap it up on the other side of the break right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Check out the Doug Gottlieb Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDOS AM 1060. Kayla, one other quick thing we were just talking about off the air. I'm guessing that Dave is not real happy this week, though. <laughs> Probably <laughs> <So>. not. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right. Uh, as always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else, uh, whatever else uh, slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, a Texans and Ravens preview with Matt Musil. 
from KHOU in Houston. On Friday, it's our annual NFL Division Round Playoff Preview with Hall of Famer uh, Bob Glauber. He's uh, New York Newsday. I don't know if he's still doing some stuff for them or not. I'll ask him. Uh, sound of the day, courtesy of CBS, the uh, New England Patriots, Pac-12 Networks. Also, uh, uh, ESPN and NFL and uh, NBA League Pass. Excuse me, NBA League Pass. Also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from uh, 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. NAU Men's Hoops, they're on the court hosting Portland State. Pre-game is set for 5.30 p.m. You can catch it over on KAZG 1440. And tip-off is 6 right here on KDUS AM 1060. That's all happening right here on the station. Uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, Philadelphia media and Philadelphia in general. Uh, Aaron's fun facts there about the Cardinals and their victory over the Eagles. But yeah. uh, currently, present day, you have, according to Ian Rappaport, Nick Sirianni expected to present his plan for the future to owner Jeffrey Lurie during a meeting that's supposed to take place today. It would include staff changes at defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, and so nothing definitive yet on Nick Sirianni's uh, future status as the Eagles head coach. Yeah, and I don't think this would be uh, nearly as big a deal if it weren't for just the history of you know, ownership slash general manager and you know, not being very patient. And obviously, you know, Doug Peterson was out within three years after he won the Super Bowl in uh, Philadelphia. And he also lost some assistant coaches from that team by the time he was out the door as the head coach. Uh, I saw this here. Amazon has agreed to a $115 million minority investment in Diamond Sports Group. Uh, Diamond Sports Group, if we remember, you know, they filed bankruptcy. They're in charge of the Bally Sports products um, that distribute the local teams uh, to various different uh, regions across the country here. Amazon's investment is supposed to allow Diamond to emerge from Chapter 11. And according to the statement I read, Prime Video now will become Diamond's primary partner through which customers will be able to purchase direct-to-consumer access to stream local Diamond channels. No uh, evidence yet as to what the price points will be or the availability announced that's supposed to come at a later date, but another example of streaming uh, and being here to stay. That could be bad for Diamondbacks fans, so hopefully not. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting because, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not certain how this all unfolded, right, because you had the split between – like diamond sports groups giving take like i guess moving on from certain teams last year holding on to other teams and keeping that contract right. going so i'm not sure now how that all unfolds if that is still separate from last year or if this now uh re-emerges the contract that was previously i'm not certain how this is all going to unfold I don't know either, even though I seem to recall the uh, the teams like the Diamondbacks that uh, did not you know, had to go you know, find other sources to carry games locally. Uh, and I'm not mistaken, some of that had to do with the fact that the ownership of that cur those current teams did not want to fund uh, to do such a thing. So uh, maybe that will change in the future. Hopefully it will change in the future because I think there's a lot of people, especially – 
with the Diamondbacks uh, soaring in popularity after the World Series appearance, would like to watch the Diamondbacks on a on, you know on free television. You know, albeit you know you pay for cable or whatever, but not on a uh, you know, pay-per-view type of source. That'll do it for this Thursday edition of Extra Point. Guess what? Tomorrow it's a Friday, so we get into Friday Spread, brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We were a winner last weekend, 12-5 and five on the season, looking to keep it going in the divisional round uh, as we're wrapping, down, wrapping up the 2023-2024 season here in the college and NFL world. Looking forward to doing that. Plus, we'll be joined by Kyle Soppy of Pro Football Network to get his his uh, prop bets and suggestions for the weekend. Looking forward to talking with you tomorrow. For now, have yourselves a fantastic Thursday.